0: Our reading today is from Romans 8, verse 32. Before we read together, let's pray. Lord, we ask that you would speak to us today through your holy word. Lord, we pray that you would open up our eyes and that you would open up our ears and most of all that you would open up our hearts uh, so that uh, we would respond to the grace that you give to us free grace that you offer to us abundantly through your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, it is in his wonderful name that we pray. Amen. Hear the word of the Lord. He who did not withhold his own Son, but gave him up for all of us, will he not with him also give us everything else? The word of God for the people of God Thanks be to God. Now, no doubt, uh, a few of y'all have taken an economics class at some point in your life. Or if you haven't taken an economics class, you probably still have heard this phrase, uh, there is no such thing as a free lunch. No such thing as a free lunch. Uh, One, somebody paid for it. Two, it always costs you something. There's always a hook, right? Even if it's offered zero price and there's no strings attached, there's still a cost. Because you are a limited human being, you can only be in one place at a time, Uh, and you're probably only eating one lunch a day, right? Uh, and And so to go to the free lunch, you're giving up something else. You give up the opportunity to do whatever other thing that you might have done. There's always a cost, because we're limited humans in a limited world. And you may think, well, you know, some things really are free. Maybe lunch isn't free, but the air is free, is it not? You can go outside, breathe in some good air, cost you nothing. But look, I've been to, uh, for example, New York City, where the air isn't quite as pure and clean as it is here, and you start to realize that there's a cost to air. Uh, We use it up. We expend it. After this week, you may say, we have more water than we could possibly do with. We have gotten free water everywhere But right now in California, there's a huge drought. Water, as free as it might be in this location, more than we even want, it's not free everywhere. You may say, well, we live in a free country, and we celebrate that this uh, weekend. And that's true. And we can go anywhere that we want. Of course, there's a cost to that. Uh, If uh, it doesn't cost you gasoline, it costs you pain as you walk. Uh, And... Maybe you've been in the midst of nature and you feel like you're in the, the midst of the free world that God has made. But no doubt sometime you've been there and you've seen a little bit of, uh, of litter. Right? You've seen this mark of human presence and you realize that even what seems to be so abundant has been marred by our presence. Uh, that what seemed to be so free, in fact, uh, we have to pay a cost for using it. And we're slaves to our limitations. We're slaves to our circumstances. And what if we kind of skip back a couple of weeks ago and we recap what we've been hearing in this sermon series that we're now on, on on John Wesley's sermons, uh, you will remember that we are uh, slaves to our sin. Even though we were created by God in His image to be free, and to make decisions that glorify Him, that we as human beings have all gone astray from God and made other decisions. We have sinned against God. We have done things that we shouldn't, and things are so out of order. The house of cards has fallen, and we can't put it back together. Our lives are marred by sin in such a way that we can't fix them on our own. And we're sort of like uh, you know, remember Humpty Dumpty, right? Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall, Humpty Dumpty had a great fall, and all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put uh, Humpty together again. Once something's broken like that, like our our lives are broken by sin, we can't just simply fix it. It takes a miracle. It takes the grace of God. Uh, you know, I have a toddler, which means that uh, we break a lot of things uh, in my house. And uh, and God, I can't tell you how many... Uh, ceramic bowls and whatnot that we've broken. And I've gotten pretty good, you know, I can get some glue and I can put it back together and put it in some grips and everything and it'll look pretty good. We have, right now in my car, there is a broken plate uh, that belongs to Jessica's sister that, for the record, uh, the ch- Emmy the didn't break it. Uh, and sorta Jessica broke it, but it's not really her fault because she had a big plate on the corner of this tall thing. And Jessica just closed the drawer, and it vibrated, and it fell, and it broke. And so, but I'm, I'm hopeful that I can fix it, at least kind of, glue it, glue it back together. But look, there's little pieces missing. Uh, there's little chips out of it. When I glue it together, there's still going to be this crack. I can't make it go back to what it once was. Uh, when, I was a, when I was a kid, my brother had this, uh, this BB gun pistol. And I said, I want to find out how this thing works and I'm going to unscrew, unscrew it and take it all apart. And of course, I took it apart, and the whole thing fell to pieces, and I could never, I could never get it back together. All right. That is our state as human beings. We have uh, sinned against God in such a way that we cannot put our lives back in right order on our own. We are Humpty Dumpty. We're the broken piece of ceramic. We're my brother's BB gun pistol. We are in need of grace, to make our lives right, uh, you may not know this, but we have a um, we have a, a document as United Methodists that defines our doctrine in part uh, called the Articles of the of Religion. And Article of Religion Eight says this: The condition of man after the fall of Adam is such that he cannot turn and repair himself by his own natural strength and works to faith and calling upon God. Wherefore We have no power to do good works, pleasant and acceptable to God, without the grace of God by Christ preventing us. We'll come back to that word. It means coming before us 250 years ago. At least it meant that. Um, That we may have a good will and working with us when we have that good will. That's That's what I've been talking about over the previous two sermons. So that's just catching us up. And getting us back up today. Remember, we're made in the image of God, we've sinned against God, and we can't put our lives back right with God unless God does something. Unless God comes to us and gives us His grace. Now, Christians have historically confessed that in a variety of ways that we have understood what it means for God to come and set us right with Him. And one of the ways that uh, was articulated and was especially popular in Wesley's day and is still around today as a way to understand how that might work, how the grace of God might repair people who are completely unable to respond to him, uh, was put forward by a theologian in Geneva, Switzerland named John Calvin. And Calvin said that uh, it is completely the work of God to save us, and we agree with Calvin about that. That's God's Sovereignty. That much we agree with. That it takes God to save us. And Calvin said that the way that that works is that God elects certain people. And God saves those people and the death of Christ saves them. The elect. Those who are saved. There are others who are not saved. And so depending on how you interpret Calvin and the person who responded to him and interpreted him, that can become... Uh, that Christ saves some people, or that God saves some people and damns others. That these people God has died for in Christ, and these others he has not. And that's called predestination. You might have heard of that before. It's not especially common in our particular neck of the woods, but that's the doctrine of most Presbyterian churches, for example. Uh, not all by any means, but some, a minority, but but some Southern Baptists express their understanding of God's grace in that way. That's a relatively new movement, and it's very controversial right now. Free will Baptists don't. That's what the free will means, right? Um, So that's the way sometimes that that gets expressed. Uh, And John Wesley would say that he's no more than a hair's breadth from that. So it's not saying we're saying they're bad bad people or anything like that, but we disagree. We disagree. And maybe your heart's already kind of feeling why why we might disagree with that. Um, Because it seems sort of... Not like the God of love, right? Uh, I mean, let's just say that I... Dwayne, it's been your birthday. We're going to have a party. And I've set up a party over in the charge building and we're going to have a throwdown. And everyone uh, from your row forward is invited. Sorry, the rest of you, you can't come. Now, what's your your reaction to that? You're going to say, well, that's... I mean, I guess it's your right to do that. Let's say it's not the church. Let's say it's at my house. I mean, it's my right to to invite who I want to to my house, right? But but that doesn't seem like the God who says that he loves everyone and calls everyone to him or the God that uh, desires all people to come to repentance or that has given his love to everyone. And so uh, those of you who were not invited to the party uh, would rightly say that I'm kind of a jerk. And so what Wesley says to predestination is that it's a, it's a horrible decree because it implies that the character of God is not to love everyone and to give his grace to everyone. Now Wesley wants to absolutely agree with Calvin that any salvation that we have is the gift of God in Christ and that we haven't done anything to earn it ourselves But he says we have to find a way to articulate how it can be that Christ has died for all and then that some seem to respond and others don't. And and Wesley's not the first to say that. Not the first to say that. Um, But he is sort of who informs us uh, in that path. So Wesley will say that God's grace is free. It's free in all and it is free for all. And to say that Christ's grace is free in all, he's agreeing with with John Calvin and many others. He's saying that, look, there's nothing we can do to earn our salvation. There's nothing that we can do to earn God's love. It doesn't matter how much money you make. It doesn't matter where you live. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. It doesn't matter what you've done in your life. It doesn't matter if you have a pleasant disposition. It doesn't matter at all. God's love is given to you through the grace of Christ. Wesley will put it this way. God's grace is free in all to whom it is given, and it does not depend on any power or merit in man. No, not in any degree, neither in whole nor in part. It does not in any wise depend on whether good works or righteousness of the receiver. Uh, No, not on anything else he has done or anything he is. It does not depend on his endeavors. It does not depend on good tempers or good desires or good purposes or good intentions. For all of these flow from the grace of God. There's nothing we can do to earn God's love by being good or whatever. All the goodness comes in our lives in response to grace. uh, In response to the grace of God. So that's what it means for the grace of Christ to be free in all. But Wesley says that not only is the grace of Christ free in all, the grace of Christ, the grace of God is free for all, for everyone. That means Christ died for everyone. Christ's grace has an effect on everyone. Everyone can be redeemed. And though we can't earn our salvation, and there's nothing that we can do to save ourselves in our sin, and we are slaves to Um, our wills are are, are bound, that we have no free will, actually Wesley says. That God has given us grace. We have a grace-enabled will to respond to God. And so that Christ's death has been for everyone to give them the gift of the opportunity of responding to Christ. And what we call that as Methodists is prevenient grace or 200 years ago, they called that uh, preventing grace. Both of those words come from the same root. Everybody knows what pre means, right? Vent is coming from the Latin for come. Prevenient or preventing used to mean something that comes before. And used to when they said preventing, like in the article of religion I just read, it just meant something that sort of plows the way ahead ahead for you. Um, it, It goes before you. Now, when we say preventing, we mean it goes before you and stops you. That's not used to what they meant. So we now say prevenient, that God's grace comes before any of our response to him, any life that we live um, acknowledging God, because we had no power to save ourselves. But Christ has given us the gift of being able to respond to him. And that's how we say that all of our salvation from top to bottom is the work of God in our lives, but that God has given us the gift... God has given us the gift of working out our salvation with fear and trembling, as Paul would say. Given us the gift to respond to him before our salvation. And what's that mean? It means, for the character of God, that God doesn't run roughshod over people. That uh, God wants to work in your life. Uh, predestination, uh, as some express it, can be a way of saying that God, it doesn't matter what you do or who you just You're saved, you're not, and God just does it and doesn't work in your life to change you or to transform you or to bring you along. It um, doesn't seem to be true to life because the way that I've experienced God's grace is through the decisions I've made, enabled by God, through surprising ways where I've begun to understand grace or see grace where I haven't before, Uh, that God's love works in our lives to enable us to respond to him, to enable us to become his person. And that's an expression of God's love for us and the way that he values us as human beings made in his image that he is already restoring to that state. Uh, And it also means means that through God, uh, we can actually be transformed in who we are. And that's a gift that comes from Christ. Sometimes we think that Christianity is about becoming more moral and polishing ourselves up like that broken piece of ceramic. Uh, but King Collins puts it this way, Jesus doesn't polish chains, he breaks them. And so the death of Christ breaks the power of sin in our life to restore our ability to respond to God, uh, to give us a measure of freedom. Or we still have limits in this life, no doubt, but that we have freedom by the grace of Christ to respond to him. That we have a conscience to know when we've done wrong, that's the gift of God in Christ through the cross. Uh, that we can then have some knowledge of what it means to be moral, what it means, means to be holy. That that too, when you hear that voice in your head, that is the power of the cross in Jesus speaking into your life and calling you, calling you back to him. And Wesley says, if you have any doubt of this, if you have any doubt that, that God's grace is free in all and free for all, who you should look at is Jesus himself. Because Jesus constantly speaks with people and interacts with them as if his grace is free for everyone. And he says, come unto me all who are weary and heavy laden. And he weeps over Jerusalem, even though it's about to kill him. And says, "Uh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who stoned the prophets, killed those who were sent to you. How I long to call you unto me, but you were not willing. God's call is for everyone whether or not we accept and whether or not we respond. And that to say otherwise would make Jesus himself into a liar because Jesus seems to so clearly say that he is given for the world. I think John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, for God so loved the world that he um, gave his son for us. And so what we hold fast to, what we believe is that, no, we don't have any power to save ourselves, but Christ has given us the chance to respond to him. That is the gift of God's free grace in our life. And and, And that moment comes to us, and those moments come to us where we can say yes to Jesus because he has enabled us to say yes. Jessica and I almost ran out of gas on our way here this morning and we went to the gas station. We got about 10 bucks for the gas because we were in a hurry and I had to get up to Mount Olive. Didn't have time to get a whole tank of gas. It's the gas that enables us to go. It's the gas that enables us to have the freedom to respond and go anywhere that we want to go. Grace of Christ, the grace of Christ works in the same way. It is that which powers us and enables us to respond to Jesus. Now, there are probably comparatively few people here who believe in predestination. Maybe there's somebody. But usually, talking to people here, that's somewhat rare that someone believes that. But sometimes we have these ways of expressing a similar idea. Because we will think that, uh, and I've heard people say this to me too, that, you know, um, church isn't really for me. Uh, I've done too much. I've gone too far astray. Y'all just don't want me there. I'm not, I'm, not that, I'm not holy enough. I'm not good enough. I don't want to be a hypocrite and go to church, sometimes people will say. Um, but what's wrong with that view is, first of all, that uh, this is a perfect place for hypocrites because we all uh, have fallen short of God's glory and we need God to do something in our lives. Um, and, and, and what the free grace of Christ tells us is that, look, you can't be too far gone. You can't have done too much where, uh, God doesn't love you anymore and God doesn't value anymore you anymore, or where God doesn't want you to come and be a part of his people. That God's gift of grace is for all. No one is too far gone. Sometimes we think that about ourselves Sometimes we think that about other people. You know, my friend, my neighbor, my relative uh, just is too, too far. There's no way that God's going to do anything with that person. But Wesley would tell us, and what I think Scripture tells us is that, uh, and what I think Jesus would tell us is that his love is for that person. That there's no such thing as too far gone. Sometimes we look over and see somebody in this church or this place or this town or this group of people or whatever, and we say, I don't see how it's possible that God could work amongst those folks. And what free grace tells us is that Christ has died for them so that they may respond to Jesus. There's no group of people who's off limits. God's love is in all and for all. God's grace is in all and for all. So the question to us today is how will we respond to the grace that God has given us? Uh, Now for some people that might come as the opportunity for the first time to acknowledge that yes, I can do nothing to save myself and I need the grace of Christ in my life Uh, And that God has given me the gift of responding to him, and I want to do that. Um, Sometimes that call comes to us, and it seems like it's the first time. But I also think that God calls all of us every day. If the grace of Christ has gone before us, that means it goes before us in every situation, in every decision that we have to make. Uh, And those who have been following Christ for years and years and years, we still have to ask ourselves, how is the grace of Christ calling me today? How is the grace of Christ restoring the image of God in my life? I've already seen his mercy by the very fact that I was able to get up today and get out of bed and live this life that is a gift from him. Now, how, how will I abide in him today? How will I live in the grace of Christ so I can continue to marvel at and live into the grace of That he has given us. God has given us his grace. How will we respond to it? God has given you his free grace. Will you accept it? Will you live into it? Will you respond? Let's pray. Lord, help us. Help us to accept the gift of your free grace. Lord, help us to Uh, Know that we can do nothing to save ourselves and put our whole hope in you. Lord, help us to put our whole hope in you, not just in a singular moment, but every day. Lord, help us look for the grace that goes before us. Lord, help us look for those signs of your call on us, of your word to return uh, to you, of your call to Uh, share the good news of what you have done for us with others. Lord, help us listen. Lord, help us to respond. Lord, help us to live with the gift of free grace. In your son's name we pray. Amen.